Hey, it's Ori, and today we are talking to Rachel Singer, who is a dance movement therapist who works with children on the autism spectrum. And it wasn't until she really brought it to my attention, but we haven't had many episodes focused on children, especially with autism. So I'm excited to share this with you. If you have clients who have autism, if you have family members, there's some real juicy practical guidance in here. And I just love the core message that she ends at the end of our conversation too. So let's get into it. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. All right. Welcome, Rachel Singer, to the podcast. So good to have you here. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit about what you do and why you're here today. Hi, Marie. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so I am Rachel Singer. I live in Los Angeles. And I grew up in Burbank, California and grew up with the arts my whole life and um, started teaching kids for a long time in preschool and um, decided to pursue dance therapy to work with kids with neurodifferences and special needs. And so that's what I do now is I work uh, for a nonprofit company where I integrate dance therapy and DIR floor time therapy with children with autism. And I do a lot of other stuff too. (laughs) Um, Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about um, the kids that you're working with? What kinds of things do you see? Like what kinds of behaviors or like physical presentation you see when they start working with you? And what what are the kinds of things that you help them work through? Yeah, so um, uh, I also want to just share what DIR floor time therapy is too, before I even say that part, if that's okay. So DIR stands for developmental individual differences and relationship. So it's basically looking at the whole child, where they're at in that moment and where they at developmentally and in their body and in their brain. And to then join them in that place and then take them once they're kind of you build that relationship piece um and that why it's called floor time is you're on the floor with them or doing whatever it is that the child is interested in and then you take them to the next level of development Hmm. so i see dance therapy and dir floor time such a beautiful blend because it's really looking at who the person is you're joining them but having the movement aspect to this work takes it to another level because i'm really aware of where the body is holding tension what are ways to release that what are ways to connect through mirroring and different techniques that as dance therapists um, we just have a little bit more gold to kind of share and spread with it (laughs) yeah so yeah 
um, developmentally, um, do you follow a specific um, theoretical approach with the developmental stages? Um, somewhat. So floor time therapy has like the pyramid of triangle. So it's always, yeah, it's that regulation is the first level, the different levels. Um, I, they're called fettles. Um, I forget what that stands for at this moment, but <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it's, it's really looking at like, and that child, is that child regulated? Um, and then you keep moving up into development. So you're, it's almost, you can look at an infant and see all of that right there. And then where maybe a child, if, if you're with, working with an 11 year old, in which what I do, she in some ways is at a three year old mark as far as social relatedness. Um, and so then it's just about where meeting her where she's at in that place and taking it up to level four. I say that's, yeah. yeah. So the developmental framework is, um, yes, Stanley Greenspan and Serena Weeder created this triangle. So that's where, I guess that would, that's where I would say the framework is. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, in terms of like presenting behaviors and issues, what do you usually see in the kids that you work with? So I see it depends each time and it depends each person, but, um, their body is usually, I'm going to talk about one client in particular. So she's 11 years old and when I see her and she's dysregulated, um, she's not able to have back and forth conversation. So she'll be kind of self murmuring, self talking to herself. Um, it's not easy to hear and understand. He might be rocking back and forth. Um, there's a lot of tenseness and rigidity in her body muscle and her tone. Um, and not a lot of eye contact. And then I also see like a lot of movement sometimes too, when she's highly anxious or irritated outside, she'll bolt and she'll run and go into fight or flight mode. Um, and that's also a way that she relates to people too. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a way to get away and not relate to people, but we also use that in our work to play. So we use tag and running away from mommy to give her that feeling, but also use it in a positive way. Yeah. Yes. So there's, yeah, yeah. Cool. And yeah. Then, um, yeah, so like what's an example of what, what else you would do? So you're incorporating the play to help her be in this activated state, yet in a non-fear way. It's like mobilizing without the fear. Um, mm -hmm. and, and how does that help her relationship with her mom, whether it's her or just generally the kids that you're working with? Yeah, it definitely gives the parents a little bit more tools in the, when they, when the child is in that fight or flight state and when they're outside, you know, just going to the store or going to, you know, going to Target or going to the mall. Um, it's not an easy experience. And so we've learned a couple of things about her. One, she really does well with a plan. 
and visually seeing something, you know, so we write it down or we draw or she'll draw what she wants to say or um, she'll pick a time that she'll go to. So a verbal visual agreement has supported her and helped the mom know what to do in those stressful moments. Um, and then also, yeah, giving this, this play and, and helping mom see that she needs that movement and she also needs that ability to feel independent and not be told what she has to do and find some freedom within a very safe environment and therapeutic. So that's, I think, helped, um, yeah, it helped mom and her just be calmer and more joyful together in moments and giving mom more tools and understanding like why she goes into that state and that it's not a, I mean, it is behavioral, but it's not out of, I'm going to do this like in a conniving way, which is easy to see, right? It's, it's not intentional. And some, some parts are, but that's her actually using more logic and more problem solving. Um, there are times when we've gone outside, gone on a walk, and she wants it to be her way and say, I want to go the way that I want to go. And mom also says, yeah, but I need to set, I want to say where I want to go too on this hike. So I help support them in compromising that. And through movement kind of saying like, well, to the child, we can go this way, but how about we run when we're doing that way? Or we hop or we giving some choice in how we move to that place um, allows her to find some empowerment and more um, sense of self and yeah. Yeah. And a lot, <laughs> a yeah, lot comes like that. You're really meeting her where she's at neurophysiologically as well, which is, right? It's not just a behavior. Um, I used to work in a therapeutic preschool where like that was a lot of the, the reaction. I was debating whether to say response or reaction, but it was like a lot of reaction. It was like, oh, they're just being oppositional or they're just being defiant. Like, you know, and it was, it was, yeah, almost easier um, to see it that way, or it was just a lot of their transference or counter-transference coming in from, you know, the way that they were being um, seen as a kid or when they were more uh, intolerant of rules or whatever, you know, so mm -hmm. you have to manage a lot of that. Yes, yeah. And um, somebody that I love, if you guys all want to check out, is Mona Delahook. And she just came out with a book called Beyond Behaviors. And she talks a lot about this exact thing and that we, I, we quickly go to a um, labeling children as defiant. And it's really, well, what's going on in their, in their body and their mind and then how to support them. We don't want children to feel like they have to have a time out when they're figuring something out and they're frustrated or they don't have lack they're lacking that resource we get to be their executive brain and support those them in that stressful moment and say yeah we're here with you we're going to connect to you 
and then explain and redirect and, and support them in achieving that in a different way. <laughs> Not necessarily better or, or right or wrong, but yeah. And I think I find that movement um, allows more options and more variation to occur, which then helps to the physique, the neuro, the brain and the rewiring of that. So by adding in little ways where I'm meeting my client where she's at, she loves monkey bars and she could be at monkey bars for all, all day. She'll say, I'll stay here all night. <laughs> and so her body is really needing that. And she'll say, I need, I didn't get them at school today. I need to do them today. And mom is kind of gets overwhelmed by that. And it's like, Oh, but we need to get her away from the monkey bars. And so what we've, as the therapists have done is allow her to do the monkey bars, but we add in a ball, you know, so we provide the ball in between her legs while she's climbing the monkey bars. So there's a little bit, there's more something she has to do with her thighs to also provide more muscle tone and um, physicality and having her to think and balance that aspect. And it's just adding in variation and playfulness. And then we'll have, you know, she'll go around the monkey bars a couple times and, or once and then throw the ball to mom and mom has to run and get it and then throw it back to her. Mm-hmm. And then she'll throw one to me and throw it back. And so there's a lot of um, wanting to integrate this back and forth communication through playing ball and through dance and movement. Um, then it kind of comes out into language and come and I see it she's her language has improved her interest in playing with other people has improved as long as she knows like what she needs to do to be able to be amongst others yeah that's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah I see a lot of dance movement therapy is layering um actually like that's what my supervisor Christina Devereaux always used to tell me is like layering and layering and instead of kind of like separate processes and I see you layering those different options and ways of being um with the monkey bar so it's like you don't take them away and create something separate you can just layer on top yes yeah yeah and then the child feels seen and respected and heard and their interest is there but you're also supporting them in what they need to or in what could add a layer i like that Mm -hmm. yeah so do you always work with the parent um with the child no not always um that's the main like majority of the work but last week she actually went to spring break camp at a recreation center so I joined her as her one-on-one and I've been a child's one-on-one before as well um, at school in a preschool setting and that's that's really interesting because um, one I get I like I shared before I taught in preschools for nine years and they're all all were play-based um this philosophy reggio emilia inspired preschool 
which is all about using natural materials and viewing play as the main portion of the day and also all about social emotional learning and using the arts. So there, um, anyway, so yeah, so I support, I've done both. And that's been an interesting experience because I'm not necessarily really doing therapy, like, but I am because I'm her, I'm their playmate. And I get to like teach the other kids how to, how to play with them and how to support them and playing with the kids and bridging that gap. Um, and it usually happens through some type of movement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like through, through some nonverbal expression or communication or, or ball or dance or art, there's some type of creativity um, that I think is the way to kind of connect, you know, them, especially because the, in children with autism, as many know, language is a huge deficit. So nonverbal communication is their default and it's our default. <laughs> but as, as, uh, as typical people and people with brains, we don't, we forget that piece. So I think that coming back to the body is always a way to really integrate and connect the kids with autism and with, and kids without. Yeah. Yeah. And humans in general. <laughs> and human, exactly. And animals. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And humans in general. Yeah. The question that's coming to me is, or anyone listening who also works with children or people with neurodifferences or maybe have kids with special needs, um, you know, what's your, what's your most common piece of advice that you find giving to parents or people like other treatment team members? Is it that nonverbal communication or is there something else that you you find yourself repeating a lot to help others? That's a really good question. I think, yeah, the, the, I, I would say that the biggest thing is checking in with yourself as the caregiver and as the, in any way work or the mom or the parent or the dad um, is knowing how to connect to your own breath and not knowing, just doing <laughs> and really like intentionally connecting to your breath and to your body and to your feet on the ground and into where you are in space. Because once you can do that, you can then be in a relationship fully with other with somebody else. It's like we say you have to put on the, your own mask before someone else's. So I think that's the biggest key and knowing when to take us take space and ask for what you need and um, make sure to in your own time do something for yourself as self-care because it can it can be draining and it can take a lot out of your own body and mind to be fully present 
with a child, with anybody, but with a, with a child that does have challenges, um, you get countertransference, kinesthetic empathy, and it can really weigh a toll on your body. So I think, and then that of, and that affects the children and the, the people you're working with. So you have to take care of yourself first and foremost and in the moment when you're with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like a big thing that you're talking about, you were talking about earlier is co-regulation. It's like, if we're not calm and regulated, if we're getting really reactive or on edge, they're going to feel that and they're going to have, you know, their, their nervous systems are going to become dysregulated much easier too. So it's like, if we're not regulated, then how do we expect them to be it's it's all Mm -hmm. yeah that calm that learning new behaviors and expanding our comfort zone our window tolerance it's all co-created yes yeah exactly and you and learning our own sensory profile and how um, the senses affect us and mm. and that might even be playing a role in you know you might feel like you're calm and fine with your child out in a crowded playground but all of a sudden you're realizing you're getting anxious and your heart's beating faster it might be the loud noises of the kids or it might be you're cold or hot or something sensory related and I think that's a something I've learned from my clients as well is the sensitivity to our environment and how to how to how to stay regulated or how to become regulated when you can't control your external environment yeah i love that that's something that i think about in that way like what are my sensory limits or boundaries that's cool yeah um, I led a workshop at the Expressive Art Therapy Summit in November. Uh, no, March or April. <laughs> March. <laughs> Whatever it was. Yeah, same thing. And, uh, and it was on this subject of integrating DIR floor time with dance therapy. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at our own um, DIR. And so... For the development piece, you know, what is something as an adult that you've had to overcome and work through and move, move up, move for, move through it? Um, and what do you need to do to do that? Right. And so we kind of talked about our own experiences and challenges. And then the I, the individual differences is what we're talking about here is the sensory profile and anything that you have to kind of make changes in yourself or in your environment for you to relate to be around other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the R is looking almost at like extrovert or introverted, or do you recharge by being around a lot of people or do you need more space? And um, how do you ask for that without being like, I need, you know, I need this or seem like, you're not, you're antisocial or I have a wife who's an introvert and I'm very extroverted. So we're always balancing that act. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that that's a key piece too in the in working with caregivers for that advice is also knowing how, what do you need as far as this. And then once you become aware of it, it will shift it automatically just because you are, oh, that's how I am. Okay, that's, that's why I'm upset with my four-year-old, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's so important for even, yeah, like you were saying, like for relationships. Yes. You know? for just us being yeah as individuals to know all that yeah and to to really respect that too and not judge ourselves for being different than someone else or yeah like i i take space on my own like that's how i recharge i need a little bit more alone time quiet time but i, I look at people who are just so you know out there and kind of opposite I mean I can switch back and forth a little bit but I'm like that looks really really great I want to be more like that but it's you know it's respecting also where you're at yep accepting (laughs) respecting and accepting yeah 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 and knowing that when you do what you need to do you are able to be more present and full with the other people or or be a better therapist or whatever it is that we do as jobs be a better human (laughs) yeah yeah um so we're coming up on the end here and i'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your business you shared with me that you have a business yeah so um my business is called rachel's moving hearts with the A-R-T-S capitalized. So really focusing on using the arts um, to move with people. And I started it in 2015 when I was living in New York, Um, found a spiritual community through um, in the city and they kind of helped me create a business and, and really set an intention of what I wanted more of in my life. And so this has been something I've always thought of. Um, so what I do, it's, it's, it changes and it's always going to shift, but it, it started as the idea of working with children and moms um, or really parents and building that relationship through dance and movement. And now I have clients where I work at their home with, with the kid and using dance to support them in their emotional and physical and behavioral challenges and mental well-being. Um, And then I also lead groups for elderly um, in Beverly Hills using dance and movement. And I work with kids with special needs as group and lead groups for that. Um, And I also work one-on-one in schools with my own business. So it's actually... (laughs) Yeah, so it's right now really not moms and kids and families. It's more children, elderly, but it's, it's all under the same umbrella, um, really supporting people expressing themselves through dance and through the arts. Oh. And I use, and I use meditation like all, all the time too. So yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Do you have a website that we'll be able to look at? Yes. Um, it's www.rachelsmovinghearts.com dot com and it's rachel r-a-c-h-a-e-l um 
and yeah, and I have a Facebook and Twitter and a YouTube channel as well that I sometimes lead movement um, online and uh, hopefully I'll do more of that too. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave the links for all of that um, in the show notes. So y'all can click and follow. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arit, for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom.